0: As I was doing my research for this sermon, I googled money-wise, and I got some lists of some of the smartest things that you can do with your money. So on this list were things like create for yourself an emergency fund of six months' worth of expenses so that if you come upon hard times, you'll have that cushion. Good advice. The next thing, one of the most smartest things that you can do with your money is to pay down your debt. We all know that. And a third smart thing is to save for retirement. And also, one of the smartest things that you can do with your money is to update your work wardrobe for it will improve your standing in your job and you should be buying shares of Google or Alphabet stock one share is only $615 now another smart thing to do is to renovate your kitchen Because it will increase the value of your home by 80%. So these are some of the top things that are important for you to do with your money. But top on Jesus' list is to use it to get into the kingdom of God. Also, in studying this passage, because, you know, writing a sermon on this passage is not the easiest thing in the world to do. And so it requires great amounts of procrastination. And, and so, you know, the Googling doesn't just stop at the research. Before you can Google the research, you have to go in and delete your emails. Make sure your emails are all deleted. Well, there might be a game of Candy Crush. But in deleting those emails, I learned that jackets were on sale for only 50%. percent Were on sale 50%. And AT&T misses me. They miss me. And Apple has an iPhone 7 on reserve for me. I can get free shipping on almost anything. I can get a free gift with the purchase from Estee Lauder of only $75 in makeup. All of this I can earn extra points when I shop. And, of course, I have all these emails because I gave the emails out to get the 10% discount that day for the purchase I made. Everyone is trying to manipulate us with special deals. Does it bother anybody that the AT&T guy or the Verizon guy switched to Sprint? Does it just make you like, where are our loyalties? Money is powerful, as Eric said. We have to have some of it to buy food, to have a place to live, to support our families. Jesus does not glamorize the poor. If we don't have enough for the basics, life is just suffering. And we can do great things with money. When we take the offering today, the milk jug will go by, and when you put your money in the milk jug, you feed an orphan in Kenya. And we can do terrible things with money. My money is in Wells Fargo, and I've got to go back and look and make sure one of those 5,300 employees did not create an account in my name that I don't even know about as they did for millions of customers, and then began to drain those accounts and the other accounts with the fees for minimum balance. To get the bonuses. And why did they get the bonuses? Because they don't get paid enough. And they get the bonuses because they were encouraged to do this. Because their boss got bonuses. Money is seductive. See, because in that effort to procrastinate, when I clicked on the 50% off jackets this week only, you know I had to click on that and look at the jackets that were 50% off and uh, select some, put them in that wish list things to buy later. Please, right into our addiction, we get stuff and there's the short-term high and then we need more stuff to get the high. So money is powerful. How we use it is powerful we can use it to make life abundant and beautiful or to create enormous suffering and this is why jesus has so much to say about it more than anything else more than heaven and hell more than marriage more than any other topic that Jesus speaks about, other than the kingdom of God, Jesus is talking about money. The parable of the dishonest manager is just one of Jesus' parables that takes on money. And it is one of the most puzzling of all of Jesus' parables, because it sure sounds like Jesus is commending the financial malfeasance of the unjust manager. It sure sounds like Jesus is saying, buy your way into heaven. And it sure sounds like Jesus is saying, the ends justify the means. If you have to steal from your boss to make friends for when you are kicked out of your job, then do it we would expect that Jesus would condemn the actions of one who steals to ingratiate himself. It just sounds wrong. And not only does Jesus not condemn the manager, but he commends the man's example to his disciples. Use the dishonest wealth to win friends and get into the kingdom of God. Now, ever since Jesus told this parable some 2,000 years ago, people have been trying to figure out what he meant. So, some scholars explain it and say that the manager really wasn't dishonest at all, that he had been charging interest on top of the interest that The master was charging. And so when he got into trouble and he was trying to help himself out, he just canceled the interest, the extra interest, his interest. And so he was just being really generous with his own money. He didn't really do anything wrong. Another scholar notices That the amounts of goods that are involved in this story are not household quantities like one bottle of olive oil, but they are commercial. This is a system. A hundred gallons of olive oil, a thousand containers of wheat bushels of wheat as what it translates to. So this is all about Jesus' challenge to the unjust debt structure at which the poor were essentially slaves to the landowners. Now another scholar says that Jesus didn't really mean to commend the actions of the unjust manager. He was just being ironic and as for the rest of the sayings it is almost as if Luke has this file folder called money and after he's told all the parables there are all these different sayings about money and Luke sort of opens up that file folder and dumps them in and when it comes time to have an opportunity he puts it all out there and it is just Confusing. How to use money is not so easy. We have to struggle. We have to puzzle it. And maybe that is the whole point of Jesus' parable. So for just a moment, Imagine going to your mailbox. And I know that some of you just have to imagine going to the mailbox because you do e-banking and you're not going to get stuff in the mailbox. But for just a moment, imagine going to the mailbox and seeing your visa statement or your student loan and opening up the envelope and seeing that your debt has been cut in half. So instead of owing 4000 you owe 2000 Or getting an email from your mortgage company saying the principal has been reduced by 20%. At first, I think we'd be confused. And we'd think that it was a mistake or a fraud or that there must be some catch. But what if it were real? And you could feel the relief of that burden being lightened. Now multiply that feeling of relief and joy by a hundred because it would be something like that for those who were in debt in the crowd to which Jesus is teaching. Now imagine that you were, like I was, on a charitable board some years back to help pastors. And sometimes pastors needed help moving. And sometimes pastors needed help with their child's college tuition. But on one occasion, we learned of a pastor whose father died and whose mother then became so disabled with health problems that she had to move into the pastor's home. And the pastor's wife had to take leave from work to care for the mother. Six months later, a kitchen hot pad caught on fire and gutted the whole kitchen. And about six months later, one of their children came home from school and collapsed. There were serious medical conditions and a long recovery. And even though they had insurance, they were up to their eyeballs in debt. Their church was only able to help them so far. But from this charitable board, we were able to pay off the hospital debt. And the gratitude was amazing their life was changed in an instant. How credible, incredible it felt that we were in a position to lift that burden. The dishonest manager used his master's wealth to make his life better, to secure his future, to foster a community of new friends. So, too, We are called to use our master's wealth so that we can experience the joy of helping another human being, helping others to have a better life. There is possibly a certain amount of self-interest in doing things to help others. There is the joy of generosity. And finally, imagine being one of the wealthy landowners or one of the Pharisees or the scribes in Jesus' audience and hearing this story and sitting there with the poor people and the middle managers And getting to that real twist where all the masters, all the landowners there are just waiting for Jesus to condemn that manager. And then it doesn't happen. And it begs the question, who is the one who is unjust in this story? The manager who cooks the books to save himself? Or the landowner who can name whatever price he wants, a hundred gallons of olive oil, from those who live on and work his land. Or the CEO who extracts enormous amounts of money from the customers who have to have the EpiPen. In the kingdom of God, Jesus says, it is good to be fair and just in economic dealings and it is wise to forgive the debts of the most vulnerable. Jesus is very clear that we would be wise to use our money to get into the kingdom of God. And it sounds an awfully lot like buying our way into heaven. But I tell you, the kingdom of God is here and now and every day. The kingdom of God is the eternal or the abundant life that Jesus promises. And we can use our money to make sure that the poor receive the kingdom of God and are sure mercy and the debts are forgiven. And we can be sure to be part of that abundant life when we practice generosity and compassion as the only ways to live. And we can be sure that we are part of that abundant life and joy overflowing. And we can be sure to work for the justice that brings about the economic systems that are just and favor the poor instead of the wealthy. Abundant life for Jesus is never about having more than enough, but always about community and friendships, compassion and support, and being able to do the wonderful acts of goodness to relieve the suffering of others. And still it's hard. We have to puzzle. We have to weigh our options. We have to think about it together. We have to have a community of support that is willing to struggle with us to figure out some of these answers. And how do you do it? How do you pay $14,000 a year in childcare? How do you manage to do that? How do you manage to do that and pay off a student loan? How do you manage to do that and still be generous? How do you manage to do that and save? What choices are you making? Here at CCPC, we are working hard on being a place where all people can experience the kingdom of God. We are a place of abundance, spiritual, material, abundance. You may be the one who needs your debts forgiven. You may be the one who can change somebody's life in an instant. You may be the one who is called to work for justice. And you may be none of these or somewhere in between or at some point in your life all of them. Here, let us find friendship. Let us find support. Let us puzzle and learn what Jesus' words mean today. I hope you find the kingdom of God here. I hope you find abundant life in this place. I hope that you can help make it happen here. As Jesus has told us, we can use our money to get people into the kingdom of God. In fact, we'd be fools not to. Amen.